First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 630 of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast. And it is that time of year again. It's time to start the NFL season. And what an honor I have today of being joined by an absolute NFL legend. Brian Dawkins joins me today on First Class Fatherhood. Brian Dawkins is an NFL Hall of Famer who played the majority of his football career with the Philadelphia Eagles. If you've never seen Brian Dawkins' Hall of Fame speech, I highly recommend you go check it out over there on YouTube. He is one of, if not the greatest safety to ever play the game of football. Much more important, though, than who Brian Dawkins was on the football field is who Brian Dawkins is as a father and as a member of the community. Let me just say this. The world would be a better place if there were more people like Brian Dawkins. It's an absolute honor to have him on the podcast today. And the Philadelphia Eagles legend finally got his Super Bowl ring as a member of the front office when the Philadelphia Eagles beat Tom Brady in Super Bowl 52. I know you guys are going to love this interview just as much as I did. Brian Dawkins is passionate about his faith, his philosophy, fatherhood, his football. It makes for a fascinating interview. It's coming straight ahead your way. Brian Dawkins will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Brian Dawkins was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch today's conversation between the NFL legend and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and the NFL fun does not stop today here on First Class Fatherhood. Friday on the podcast, another NFL legend, Hall of Fame linebacker Mike Singletary will be joining me here on the podcast, so make sure you bring it back here for that one. And if you guys are fans of the NFL, you have got to go through the archives of the show. There have been so many NFL dads, so many NFL Hall of Famers who I've had the honor of interviewing right here on the podcast. Go through, no matter what your favorite team is, there is a dad who has played on that team that I have interviewed here on the podcast. So I encourage you, all the names are there that I've interviewed here from the Jim Kelly, Andre Reid, Rod Woodson, Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, Christian Okoye, Edger and James. The list really goes on and on. So go check them out. And be sure you check my Instagram account because I will be doing a giveaway, an exciting giveaway there for you dads. So be sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace. And if you're looking to take your son or daughter to a football game this year, my partnership with SeatGeek is almost over. So take advantage of it right now while you can. Buy your tickets on SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app. And at the checkout, plug in the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and you're going to save $20 on your tickets. All right, and don't forget to help me spread the word about the podcast every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here, celebrating fatherhood and family life. Let's jump into it right now with Brian Dawkins on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father Brian Dawkins. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. All right, let's kick it off like this. How many kids do you have? How old? Uh, we have five, including our furry family family member, um, but um, it's oldest, Brian Jr., and then my three girls, Brianni, Shani, and Cece. Very cool. If you could, Brian, please just take one minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Um, Brian Dawkins, blessed to have played in the National Football League for six, uh, 16 years, um, blessed to have earned my way into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and now I'm a, a author, uh, a speaker, 
um, a mind uh, a mindset coach and helping other people you know come into the things that they need to do and feel passionate about in order to to have a life of purpose on purpose. Awesome. Well said. Yeah, you've had a legendary career. So take me back to the beginning of your fatherhood journey. About how old were you when you first became a dad and how did that experience change your perspective on life? Well, my son was born right around the time when I was to be to be drafted into the National Football League. So that was 90, 96, 97. And uh, he was born a day before my first preseason game. So it was right around that time. New new to the fatherhood business obviously and it was it was it was hectic. It was a lot a lot of things that we didn't know obviously as a couple and um Brian was a little bit colicky so he was crying quite a bit cry, crying quite a bit. So it was it was rough in the beginning. Yeah, well, I always wonder what what are some of the challenges? I mean, obviously uh, Playing professional football in the NFL, it's, it take, requires a lot of focus, a lot of your time, attention. What are some of the challenges of being a dad while playing in the NFL? It's, it's, it's always a conversation about balance because so there needs to be a balance. There has to be a balance. And oftentimes we don't do a good job of balancing things. And sometimes in your career, you've been trying so hard to to do the things you need to do as far as your career is concerned. And then you're not doing the things you need to do at the house. And because I was a new father and a different pressures from a lot, a lot of different places, like it was extremely stressful for me. And, you know, another part is because I wasn't someone that talked at that time. I talk a lot more now because I've learned what I've learned over my life. But during that time, I wasn't talking to pretty much anybody about any of the things that were going on in my life, including a colicky son at the house. So it was it was a lot of stress to deal with. So to um, have all of that baggage and constantly take it to work with you it does not allow you to perform at your job the way you would want to. So along the way, I had to learn that I needed to begin to talk. I needed to begin to share some things with some individuals to help me and even ask for help in some areas as far as wisdom is concerned from people who've done it. And that took me a bit. It took me until my like sec- second year to begin to really begin to speak out and ask for the ask for that help. Yeah, and Brian, I know uh, your Hall of Fame speech w- was phenomenal. And I know you spoke in that speech about having uh, suicidal thoughts, going through difficult times in your life. What was that process for you like as a dad and your kids actually hearing those stories like that? How did you kind of like work through that process uh, as a dad with your kids? Uh, well, they heard it pretty much for the first time on stage because I never really talked about that in depth with them. And so that was the first time. And so the table was then open for them if they have any questions for me. And we would sit down and talk about those things if need be. But the other thing for me was people think that I was just being transparent with other people, but I was being transparent with my family in that moment as well. My my wife knew some things, but my, my kids did not. So that all I also wanted to in, empower them with that information so that we can then talk about some things that they even may be feeling in that moment and how um, open I am to have those conversations. Because once again, the more transparent I can be about the things that I've grown through in my life. I don't say go through, I say grow through, because that's what you're supposed to do in life is to continue to grow through things. So that's where I found myself with an opportunity to share some things in a transparent way to not just bless once again, people who are watching the millions who are watching, but those, you know, five individuals that uh, live in my household with me, including my beautiful wife. <laughs> 
Yeah, and God only knows how many people that that you've helped throughout your own journey here. And it's so important with so many people that are going through some of so many of these different struggles. And one other thing too, I know that you talked a lot about in your in your speech was was your faith. And I'm a faith based person myself. It's the most important thing. I have four kids. We pray together as a family uh, every day. Uh, how important is your faith in raising your children? And what are the top values you hope to instill in them growing up? That's 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 the number one. That, that, that is the absolute number one in my life is my faith and my belief in Jesus Christ. So that's 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 the life that I live. I, re, I The way that I speak about it is I'm respectfully bold with my faith, very respectful, but I'm bold when it comes to my faith. And um, I want to make sure that my children understand the significance of having that vertical relationship with God, to spending that time, that quality time like they know my routine. They know what I do when I get up in the morning. They know that I'll be in that um, in my prayer area, my my study area for at least an hour in the morning. They they know that they know that routine. But I also spend time in devotion with them from time to time. And we sit down and we talk about some things and I'm able to explain things in a deeper sense because I've studied the word and I'm, I'm more mature in my word and my understanding of it so that I can share with them some of the nuances that they may be struggling with. And some of the things they may be struggling with in school, the help is right there in the word. So I can kind of break those things down. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'm constantly listening um, internally at, for the Holy Spirit to, for those teachable moments that I can speak a word in certain moments to help them understand the significance of that thing that we studied in devotionals together. That's that verse you can use in this situation. So you can remember, remember that verse we went over? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, so that's how you use that verse. You then speak that verse over that situation to help you get strength and power to calm your nerves down so you won't be stressed out. Yeah, really great stuff, Brian. And I found in my own life, like the further I got away from my faith, the more unbalanced the things got in my own life. And the closer I got back to my faith, the better things all seemed to fall into place for me. And I think it's one of the biggest parts that's missing in our society today is that we've gotten away from our Heavenly Father and another piece, I know you spoke in your speech, too, about how your father, you know, showed you what it was like to be a man. And I, I talk on this show a lot about the fatherless crisis. I think so many kids that are growing up without a father or having a father figure in their life, combined with the fact that our Heavenly Father has been removed. Those two key elements, I think, right there are what's causing the majority of problems we're seeing in our society. What's your take? I, I would agree. I would agree. And census would tell you the same thing. Studies have showed the same thing. That is that the lack of father, father, fatherlessness, excuse me. Uh, our fathers being in the home is um, kind of the, the things that are happening and, and causing so much of the things that are happening to our young people because they're growing up without those father figures in the household. And my dad, I, I was blessed, absolutely, to have my father, to be a present father, to not just be a man in the household, but to be someone that represented what the Bible talks about as far as being a godly man. See, that, and that's the difference, not just a man in the household, because some men will do things and show their um, their children things not to do or, or you things you shouldn't be doing because it goes against the word of God. So recognizing what the word of God says about Abba, about being a source of being a provider, being a protector, you know, and so one of the things that I'm constantly on myself about is when my kids call me father, are they telling the truth? Meaning, am I a protector? Am I a provider? Am I a source? Am I a sustainer? Am I a nourisher? 
Am I doing all of the things that my heavenly father have shown me that he has and he does in my life? So I want to not just repl- kind of replicate my father and some of the qualities that he has. Beautiful. I'm, I'm, and I'm thankful that he did that for me because what he was doing is he was rep- replicating my heavenly father. But the, some of the things that he maybe didn't do that he that I do and I know to do. That came from my relationship with God. That became from me studying the word of God and figuring out for myself, listening to the Holy Spirit. Lest these are some other things that you should be doing for your kids. They should be seeing you this way. They should see you as a place, as a source, as the prodigal son. That Even if they do something wrong, I'm a wide open arm to collect you back in because I want you here. I love you so much. Don't care what you did and all of those things. Now, the Bible also talks about that. Um, you know, who the Lord loves, he chastens, right? So he's going to, you know, it's going to be some discipline involved, but it's always from a loving place. All of those things, and then some, is what the definition of a godly man is. And see, that's the difference. Not just a man in the household, but a godly man. Yeah, you nailed it there, Brian. And you mentioned discipline too. One of the most important parts or, or that's missing from that fatherless piece that we talked about is the discipline from the father. And obviously, you, you, one of, if not the greatest safety that played uh, the game of football, a physical position known for punishing people on the field. But what type of disciplinarian are you as a father? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? It's 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 pretty similar. I'm very patient. My father was patient and sometimes patient to a fault. Like he, you would really have to do something extremely like over the top, stupid, excuse the word, to to have him really get upset. Right. So I'm I'm patient in that way. And I I talk. Um, I don't I try my best not to raise my voice too much because I know the power of my voice. So I try not to raise my voice too much. I try to keep it at a lower octave to be able to talk to them so they won't get into a place of fear that they truly understand where I'm coming from. So I try to explain myself a lot better as I've gotten older. And again, all of these things that I'm talking about now are things that maybe I didn't do early on as as a parent. But I've learned over the over that time, again, how a godly a godly man, how a godly man uses that. How a godly man um, chastens those that he loves, right? And so that is how I then dif- discipline my children because I want them to still come to me with stuff. So if every time they come to me with stuff and I'm constantly, you know, badgering them or on them or they, why would I? Why would they then have something in school and they have no one to talk to? They feel like and they need to talk to somebody. I want that person that they come to. One of those people. I want one of those people to be me that they come to talk to. Yeah, and I, I feel that I have two teenagers. I have four kids myself. I have two teenage boys. And, and when I find out something that happened and they didn't come to me, I feel like I have let myself. I feel like I failed as a father because I feel like I don't have that door of communication open with them. And I realize I got to change something because I need them to come to me when these things because they're not at that you know spot yet where all the big peer pressures are coming in and all these different things are going to start happening in their life. And hopefully, like you said, how your father showed you how to be a man, I'm hoping, too, that my daughter will see because she's my youngest, only eight now. But I'm hoping that by repetition, she'll see me treating her mother and hopefully she'll know the way that she's supposed to be treated as a girl growing up. And that's one of the things, the, the best thing, one of the best things we can do for our children, male and female, is to love their mom. And that's my job, my job, as you spoke, but my job is to show my children how their husband is supposed to treat them. 
that at some point down the road, when, you know, whoever the Lord brings into their lives, that I've watched my father, how patient he was with my mom and how, you know, he didn't tell her what to do when she had to do this and do it my way. No, it was a respectful. We ran this thing together and there were there were chores in the house that were blurred. Right. So things that she can do, I can do. Besides cook, I cannot cook. Nowhere close to my wife. There's, there's, there's no way I can do that. But everything else, the the, the so-called uh, responsibilities have been blurred. And I, I did that. And I do these things because I love her and I want to do things that way anyway. But I also want to show my children, once again, especially my daughters, that this is a way a, a man is supposed to operate in his household, not just bring in the bacon. No, sometimes prepare it. Right. Some sometimes again, every time breakfast is really the only thing I can really cook. But in those times that I can, I'll get up and yes, and I'll cook for them. But again, I, I want them to see that. I want them to see the dynamic, the, the dynamic of a man loving his wife. I love their mom. I want them to see it. I kiss her often. Right. And they're always ill. But they need to see that once again, because they need to see how a man is supposed to treat a woman that a, a godly woman that he loves. Yeah, and Brian, I, I think too the, the the role of the father has changed so much over the decades. Like I don't remember my father telling me that he loved me uh, over and over again. Not that he didn't. It's just that wasn't the way that he expressed himself. And I find myself I make sure and make it a point to do that with my kids all the time. And 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 you're right. Like I think that that older version of the father just come home from work and just sits down, doesn't get involved. That has changed a lot. The role of the dad has changed, I think, especially in my own life, uh, as far as my involvement with my kids. And have you been that way? Like, have, do you get involved in like uh, coaching your kids and getting involved in that? Or do you kind of step away from that when they play certain sports and watch from the sideline? How do you work that out? Well, I mean, you talked about kind of two different things. So you can look at society. So things have changed quite a bit from how things were, uh, uh, you know, many, many years ago, as far as the male is concerned. Right. Then today. Right. So the, 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 the way that things were talked about in my grandfather's era, so to speak, is, you know, the man brings home the bacon, the woman cooks it. Right. Period. Right. Cut and dry. He's going to be probably fatigued and beat up from all of that day of doing the things in out out in the field or whatever it is he had to do. So he's going to be extremely tired when he gets home. Right. And so it's changed quite a bit when it comes to that. In my household anyway, my dad did not tell me a whole lot that he loved me. Right. I knew that, but he didn't tell me a whole lot. So I just like you, I tell my kids quite often that you were loved, that you were cared about. You are thought of greatly. Right. I tell them that pretty often. And so I want them to know that. Yes, I want them to know it, but I also want them to hear their father looking them in the eye and telling them that as I hug them. Right. So. Those are things that, that, are, that are different. But once again, you do things a little different because you know to do them different. You know that they can be done differently. Again, my father did the best that he could with the knowledge that he knows. I know more. I know I have a, a deeper understanding of some things and I do things differently because of that. And as far as the kids are concerned, I have coached my son, my son before. And it was tough. So, yes, I had to kind of pull myself back, even as his coach. I was a DB coach and I would not coach him directly. A lot of times I would oftentimes have my assistant coach him. I would tell my sister, the, the assistant DB coach. Right. Hey, go, go tell, go tell B this. Right. And then he would go explain it to him, talk to him. And then we would move forward because I knew if I told him, 
you know, he probably, you know, he may give me an eye roll or something and I might get mad. So, hey, no, let's cut out. Let's go ahead and send it through somebody else. As long as he gets it is the best way. And as far as coaching the girls. Yeah, that's um, I've I've had to really um, mellow myself out a little bit at times as far as calming down because I'm a competitor. I love to compete and um, and I can't turn that completely off, but I turned it down a little bit. Yeah, it's one of those things where I coached all my kids when they were real small ages. And then at some point, they need to have some type of other authority figure or something because they're not always going to have dad as the coach or dad as the employer. So they need to have that experience, good coaches, bad coaches. But one of the things, like as a dad, too, it's sometimes a little difficult to delegate those kind of things where maybe there's a guy that knows something better than I do that can teach my kids this way. And sometimes got to kind of swallow that ego and allow other people to influence your kids' lives as well. And, and that's extremely important in life, though. You recognize that there are people that know more than you that can do better than you. And I've had to understand that. Obviously, playing on a team, there are dudes that do their tasks better than I can. So it's better for them to teach someone how to do it than me. Because I'm, I'm guessing at some things and they actually know to think. So why wouldn't I say, hey, could you explain to them that would take me out of the so-called leadership role? Right. And I, now we're all listening to this person explain this thing. So now I'm in a, a student like a, uh, I'm in a, a learning mode again. Right. So sometimes you have to do that. I don't care what type of leader you are. If you are a true leader, you understand you don't know everything. And there is somebody that knows more than you and a true leader who's comfortable in the space that he's that, that he or she is in. They'll be able to then sit back, allow somebody else to take the stage, not thinking that they're going to take my space. No, I need to learn what this person is teaching and it'll help me be better at what I do. Right. And so it's to that point, as long as they get it and they get it from a source that is a, a source that. um Kind of has the heart, I would say, as 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 I do, so to speak, then absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So sometimes more important than knowing what you know is knowing what you don't know. And I think uh, sometimes that can help out as well. And Brian, just I love to ask the NFL dads that I get on the podcast because it is a concern of a lot of parents, especially with everything that's been going on with football over the years, is whether or not to let their kids play tackle football, contact sports, stuff like that. So what would you consider to be uh, a good age for kids to start playing tackle football? Wow. I didn't start till I was probably in the I was probably like 11 or 13, 11 or 12 when I started um, padded football putting on pads and stuff like that I played in the neighborhood but I, I didn't I didn't start to ride around that time probably about around 12 um, at the park and you know what I would tell parents is that actually the game of football is the safest it's ever been because things are being done differently than when I came up Right. Like when I <laughs> when I came up, things were being taught a whole lot different than they're being taught now. And because it's coming from the top, the NFL, they've changed things. College has completely changed the way that they're doing things. So these things should be taught at the little at the at, at the um, um, at the little league parks. It's all of these techniques and all of these things that the pros they see the pros doing now. Let's go back and let's teach these coaches. Let's teach these things to these young people so that as they grow, this is the way they do it. They no longer do things the way that I did it. They do things a different way. So like I said, it's the toughest, uh, it's the safest time to uh, to play the game of football. 
And you have to come up with that number for yourself. I can give you my my suggestion, but you have to be comfortable in yourself because I've I have friends that have played since they were um, able to <laughs> some of them come out. They played the game since they were able to walk. Right. And then others didn't play until they got to high school, you know, and still had the talent show what they can do. And they were able to get scholarships that way. So, again, it's it varies. But I didn't start like again till I was like, I think it was like 11 or 12, 12 years old. And it's weird, too, Brian, because years ago when I grew up, we played street ball all the time. And it was a part of that where it was like you had to arrange the games. You had to meet at a certain time at a certain place. You made the rules. You picked the teams. There was no referees, no parents. And I think the generation kind of misses. I don't see the fields full of kids like they were years ago where they were playing without that supervision, if you would. And I think there was a lot of skill sets that we learned in that way that we kind of taken away from from this kind of generation of kids. Uh, Absolutely. And, And it's technology. Technology has done that because it keeps a lot of kids indoors doing those things instead of going outdoors and exploring their imaginations. What you're talking about is your imagination, using your imagination and allowing the things that you can think about and moves that you can come up with um, as you play tackle in the grass. And because we play tackle in the grass, touching the street. Right. Right. So one of the things you learn right away is you can't be running in the grass too close to the street. Right. So you might want to, you know, make sure you don't do. But but it's, it's different things like that that we were doing, as you talked about, that, again, increased the likelihood of us having sometimes, I believe, success when we touch the football field, because we've already been mimicking some of the things that we're going to do once we get in pads, because we do it so much, you know, without pads on. And so, again, that's just using using your um, your, your tools, your imagination and and also getting out in nature, man, getting out of the house and, and getting into nature. Yeah, yes. So, so much of that has been missed, uh, with, with, as you mentioned, with the technology and everything. And obviously, you, you had a, a legendary uh, NFL career. You're a Hall of Famer, legend of the game. What do you hope that your legacy is as a father? Wow. So, you know, one of the things that I've been paying attention to is 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 legacy. Is your legacy. And what is that? And the way that I've come to define it has changed over the years. You know, legacy at one point was something that I you leave with someone. So I leave this legacy with my kids, but I've changed that. And my mindset now is legacy is about what you leave in someone as well. Like, what are you leaving in them? Like, what are they going to take from you to allow something in them to wake up so that they can do that thing the way that they're going to do it that came from you the rest of their lives? And that'll be passed on to the next generation and to the next generation, right? So the, the thing that I would love to be known for is the passion in which I live my life, the passion in which I I play the game of football. Yes, but the passion in which I love my teammates and I would be willing to do whatever it took on the football field to have success, to, to not be a liability to them, to make sure that I was never a liability to my teammates. So the passion that I live my life with, that means I'm going full speed. That means I'm giving the best that I have, not the best that I have left, meaning that I didn't go out partying and drinking and doing some of the things that maybe others two did and they were able to give what they had left. No, I gave you everything that I had because I once again never wanted to be a liability on that football field. I always wanted to be a major asset to my teammates. So that's what I'm talking about, approaching life that way, going after life with that type of passion, 
to be the very best you can in whatever situation you come into. Because once again, I never want to be a liability. I always want to be an asset. And the only way I can do that is to make sure that I'm passionately going about doing everything that I can do to pull and bring my very best to the table, not just what I have left. Does that make sense? Yeah, incredible stuff, Brian. I love that mindset, man. And I know you said now you're doing some speaking, you're your author now. Uh, what are you working on right now? What kind of goals or projects? What's coming up next for Brian Dawkins? Oh, wow. Um, man, um, I just w- was blessed and it'll be coming out here in a, in a little bit. Blessed to be um, a part of a, a book that Les Brown is is writing and coming out with. It's called um, uh, Great. There's Greatness in You. Yes, it's, it's a collaboration book and it's a bunch of us authors. And he, I was one that he asked to be to write one of those chapters. So that'll be something that you can look out for. It's coming here, coming out here in a little bit. Um, Les Brown. But 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 also the Brian Dawkins Impact Foundation. I've been doing that for a while and blessing single parents with some of the things that they need, resources that they need um, and blessing young people in, in high school age kids. Uh, young people, excuse me, with some, uh, I call it cerebral wellness. I don't call it, I don't talk about mental health anymore. It's too much negativity attached to it. I talk about my cerebral wellness. So the cerebral wellness package is that we offer or we give to specific schools. Um, we have five in Jacksonville now and seven in Philadelphia. It's going to be 30 altogether this year. And we, we just bless them with tools that they need to understand the stigma behind mental health, what it is, what it's not, how to recognize when you need some help, right? How to recognize if your friend needs help, some of the the coping mechanisms that are out there for all of us to use, how to use them, right? And then how to get that help, how to seek the help, how to get the help, and how that help will empower you to be the best that you can be, right? And that's from that standpoint. And then me personally, I'm doing things in the, 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 I call it, the mindset coach. So from a, a, a speaking and motivational section of really inspiring people to understand this, this, the, the, the things that they can do differently in their lives, the mindset that they can develop in order to bring about the best that they can be in whatever it is that they put their, their foot into. Kind of what I was talking about with that passion, right? The reason why I had that passion is because I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was going after. I knew the giftings that I had, and I knew that I had to exercise those gifts to redefine those gifts, and I began to serve those gifts on the football field, right? It's the same formula. It's a similar formula, same formula, and I'm, I'm going to help other people do that exact same things in their lives by different by coming up with a community, uh, creating a community, excuse me, of care, uh, which is creativity, accountability, resilience and effort, max effort. So that's the community where we'll create by my coaching sessions from the um, Weapon X Academy. And I can't wait. It's, it'll be coming out here in a little, in a couple of months, but I can't wait till it finally gets out. Wow. Yeah, talk about being an asset, man. What an asset you are to the community, to society. God bless you for what you're doing. I love Les Brown. I listen to him often. One of the great things about technology is we have the opportunity. I mean, that's what I spend most of the time in when I'm in my car traveling, listening to is guys like Les Brown, uh, and people just like him. So, uh, I, I love that. And last thing I want to hit you with here, Brian, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father? Who's out there listening? Ask, ask, ask for individuals that you see who are fathering 
who are in the, their kids' lives, ask some of the things that they would suggest you do. Like, and if you don't, if you don't have anybody to ask, you can't find about anybody. There are books out there for you to pick up, and I really hope that one of them is the Bible <laughs> that you're reading the Word of God and allowing that to speak to you, right? But you have to ask because we don't know everything. What you think that you think, what you think you know, will completely change when the baby's not sleeping at night, right? <laughs> and you're running out of ideas. So again. To, to ask individuals who've been down the road and some of the suggestions that they have, I would that would be the first question. Asking you shall receive. Asking you shall receive, yes. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say, Brian Dawkins, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, brother. Be blessed. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.